0: Hello there. I am so excited on today's episode. I am talking with Dr. Siri Chan. and We're going to talk about how sleep, plant-based eating, and Ayurveda is going to help you in your bedroom performance. So stay tuned to the whole episode because she's going to give you tips that you can make a healthy meal in literally 10 minutes. Hi, how are you today? I'm so glad you're here to join us today, Dr. Siri Chan. How are you? I'm doing great, and
1: so grateful to be invited. Thank you for creating the time for us to have this conversation. Well, I've been
0: looking forward to talking with you mainly because you know in the same uh, the group that we're in. But uh, I wanted to bring Dr. Chan in because she has such innovative ideas on how to live a healthy lifestyle, and she makes it so simple. So I'm going to introduce her. She has had a long-time interest in mindful living as a basis for long-term vitality of the mind the and the body and the spirit. She's actually a male-trained clinic doctor and board-certified in internal medicine, integrative medicine, lifestyle medicine, and hospice and palliative medicine. That's four different board certification guides. That takes a long time to do. I only did two, and I thought that was the end of that. So, but not that's not it. She also studied on health and healing, and she's also a yoga instructor and a Raiki master, and has intensive training in the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque and India. She uh, worked as an integrative medicine doctor, and she's also an instructor at the University of Arizona Integrative medicine fellowship for physicians and she is also a medical consultant for other physician as well her passion is educating simple things such as the daily choice and what you make and how that affects your health and your vitality and her her mission is to teach physician new ways of healing through using techniques in ayurveda yoga mindfulness and plant-based nutrition I want her to coach me on how to do that. So we'll we'll uh, touch base offline on how to do that. So I'm so grateful for you to be here and I kind of want to start out first and kind of, you know, touch upon what is ayurveda? What what is that? I love this question <clears throat> and it's a great
1: <laughs> it's a great place to start. So ayurveda is an ancient tradition of medicine. It started in the subcontinent of India as an oral tradition passed down through observation. And as I say, the human body hasn't changed that much in the last several thousand years, but our perspectives around it in the modern era have taken us a little bit away from an appreciation of how much managing our physiology with the choices we make every day impacts our health long-term. And the Ayurvedic physicians were studying that day in and day out. And they looked to nature and to an external world to inform them about the internal world. For example, the heat and fire of the summer is similar to the heat and fire of digestion and enzymes that break things apart. And the air in the sky is like the air that moves through our lungs, the tree, the breath of the lungs, the internal, the shape of the tissue in the lungs. And Ayurveda translates literally as uh, the science of life. So it was a process that looked at all aspects of life. Sometimes people associate it with a religion, either Hindu or Buddhist, but it's really not that. It's grounded in practical daily solutions, and one doesn't have to be connected to a spiritual tradition to be able to benefit from the knowledge. And in fact, many of the practices that we do now in this modern time, yoga, mindfulness, plant-based eating, internal rhythm modulation... Cha- you know, keeping our control over that come from those teachings, and they've been adapted and transformed in the modern era to language that feels more familiar. That's not written in the original tongue that it was. You say one would say offered in, which was Sanskrit. So, so why, why would somebody be modernized interested in, in
0: that? What did they get out of pro- uh, learning and practicing Ayurveda?
1: The beautiful thing about it is that you. I always say the human body didn't come with any sort of instruction manual, right? You might be waking up, you're 45, 50 years old, you've got some creaky hips, your digestion's not so good, you might not sleep so well, you might find yourself prone to depression, anxiety, your uh, performance in the bedroom may not be what it was when you were 30, and yet nobody's really ever handed you a sense of your own uniqueness. You get some guidelines that are on websites or from doctors, but Ayurveda gives you through a clinical relationship with an Ayurvedic physician, the ability to explore your unique constitution and how to improve that doing simple things in your daily life that include mindfulness, yoga, how you eat, your relationship to, the, to nature. So really simple, easy steps that one, anyone could incorporate that these days, the neuroscience and the research is really starting to show us. Oh well what they understood through just observation is starting to have some scientific basis as well. So
0: what 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 would a person expect to see when they start integrating ayurveda into their life what what physical improvement that they they actually see.
1: Well what I love about this question is some of uh, your listeners and probably yourself have come to understand what a powerful role the microbiome and digestive health play. And I'm going to date myself here for a second. But when I first came out of training in the early 2000s and in medical school, there really was not a strong link between digestive health and systemic health. But these days, we've come to understand that the microbiome and the, all the information that comes from this collection of genes and bacteria that live in our gastrointestinal system in our gut are actually creating messages to our external body, to our brain, to our hormonal system, to our you know, body, all the body parts. And it can actually take us towards inflammation or away from inflammation. And so the first step almost everyone does in an Ayurvedic consultation is improve their digestive health. And we do that through very simple teas, through modifying the diet through reducing sometimes it might even look a little bit like fasting plants that people do it just depends it's very different for everybody and incorporating fermented food to introduce the healthy bacteria so the first step is almost always improving digestive health and very often people will notice pretty significant improvements and things they didn't expect with that say for example they might sleep a little bit better they might have more energy they might feel more resilient.
0: So resilient? Feel yeah. resilient. Feel more energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what digestive? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So all of those pieces can really add up to really contribute to people starting to feel like, wow, I can't imagine how I didn't know these things. And that's what I would hear more often than not. And interestingly, for example, a lot of people are probably overeating and undernourishing, right? Here's this paradox. your, Your belly is very full, but you haven't even fully met your nutrient requirements for the day because the meal is of a more processed nature. And so by fine tuning those choices to more nutrient dense food and smaller portions, the digestive tract begins to sort of, I say, come back online, like a computer that was turned off, wasn't able to do its job as well.
0: You reboot it, it comes back online and it gives information to the rest of the system in a different way. Right. So essentially gut health is essential for all your other system yeah. to be working properly. So that's why sometimes it's OK to be a little dirty, right? You don't have to be totally yeah. clean because you're, you need those bacteria in your gut to help you, you know, filter out the bad stuff and to help you. Let in the good stuff and it's, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? You need them and they need, uh, they need you. So when every time you take an antibiotic, that's not good for your, for your gut, right? You want to fill it up exactly. again. So if you, this Ayurveda, you improve your digestive health, which then improves your sleep, your energy, you become more resilient and you're feeding your body the nutrients that it needs and yet be full at the same time, versus if you, don't, if you yeah. don't take care of your digestive, how you'll be feeling full, but yet be nutrient deficit. And how soon would someone notice these improvements?
1: I've seen people improve within a week, to be perfectly honest with you, but typically in the Ayurvedic model. And as a, an aside, many of these principles are also in the lifestyle medicine. So if one was saying, well, I'm not sure if Ayurveda links for me, Lifestyle medicine does these very similar principles. Ayurveda has some slightly different perspectives around it that are more bio unique, like unique to each person. And lifestyle medicine is a bit more generalized, but the principles overlap tremendously. So I just wanted to, you know, just in case someone was wondering, like, maybe this isn't for me, but the lifestyle medicine literature and practitioners are very knowledgeable on the modifying the diet in this very similar way. And so it's a really impressive thing how quickly people can start to feel better. You might look at a couple of things. You might look at, I say, three areas move the needle very quickly and we can dive into these. Yes, let us know
0: know what are the (laughs) three three areas that move the needle quickly. We want something quick that works fast. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one is fine tuning your relationship to
1: sleep and really letting the your relationship to light. So a lot of people think about sleep as just getting in bed, but in the Ayurvedic model and in some of the lifestyle medicine, it's our relationship to light that actually really helps us sleep more deeply and more resoundly. The second is managing stress. However one decides to have an approach for that, mindfulness, meditation, walks in nature, hobbies, singing, dancing, movement, and the third would be the nutritional pieces. I find that those three together, you start working on those three things. And of course, I always preface it by saying this is educational material. And of course, each person would work with a practitioner to determine their best outcomes. And I never recommend stopping medicines or anything like that. It's really just promoting health so that the body can be at its best. Right. And I think that becomes, you know, just such a powerful mm-hmm tool for transformation. Totally
0: agree. And I, and I want to actually dive deep into that because that's the area that we want to, that's the area that I promote too for men, you know, that want to reverse the, and it optimize their sexual health. Talk about sleep. And I love the way you said the relationship to light. You didn't say sleep. You said to light. What does that mean? Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. Well, one of the things, there's two
1: pieces to this one is our the sun and ostensibly the moon the light that comes from them and the other is the relationship to the artificial light the blue light the the computer screens the phone the tv these two things actually provide the brain through the retinal pathways through the pathways of the cells of the eye really different pieces of information it's very fascinating the color spectrum actually impacts what hormones are made, what, bio, what rhythms the brain are, is diving into. And chronobiology is the science that looks at you know, the, the relationship of light to biology, light and rhythm, light and cycles, if you will, to biology. And so, for example, one of my favorite things to recommend to people to do is to look at the very early morning light. Now you would ask, why would early morning light be more valuable than midday light? Well, what's interesting about this is that in the early morning or early evening, both are true, the yellow and blue contrast in the sky is greatest. It's, you've ever maybe noticed like the, the subtle differences of light between dawn, midday and dusk, that actually activates a very particular neurologic pathway, the superchiasmatic nucleus for the science nerds yep, among yep. us which is the master circadian rhythm generator in the body. So that early morning can be as little as five, but I say minimum is 10 that I hope for. for so what, what time is early Just morning?
0: What, what time is that time frame?
1: Well, it will vary where you live and what time of year. So what we're talking about is a half hour after the sun, you know, anywhere from sunrise to about half hour, an hour after the sunrise. Okay. Still going out after that is perfectly fine. I mean, that you'll still have menace don't get me wrong. And the beauty of getting out into that early morning light, which is what all of our ancestors did, the Ayurvedic teachers did, it allows for this rhythm generator in the brain to start saying, well, these are the hormones that will keep you optimally healthy with good focus. It helps actually that some data has actually shown that it helps with sex hormone release. So of course that improves the performance and the presence of those master sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen. It helps with dopamine regulation, and it helps with melatonin and cortisol. So these are all those little messengers that tell the body, be awake, handle stress, time for sleep, time to build muscle, time to maintain tissue. All of that can be set by this very simple practice. The alternative to that, which is blue screens, has a very detrimental impact. And I'll Everyone has different opinions about how detrimental, but there's certainly data that's starting to come out to suggest that, for example, in the evening, being on the screen before bed actually impacts melatonin production, which gives us that deep and restful restorative sleep cycle. So we can go deep into our sleep with this hormone present in higher levels. And it's not quite the same to just take the hormone by mouth, but sometimes, of course, that provides a benefit. So this is this polarity between managing our artificial blue light exposure and making sure that we're getting exposure to the light outside so, so how, how much I light do we patients, need outside
0: that's can we go out? i would say if you can minimum 10 okay. minutes up to 30 all minutes. right so 10 yeah. to 30 minimum minutes, 10 minutes um half an hour after yep. sunrise wherever what season you're at and then when should exactly when, when should we decrease the blue light the computer light the bad stuff in the day what what time should we stop that
1: But that's also a tough one, right? Because a lot of people wind down with their phone in bed these days. And so the biggest thing that I like to tell people is that if there's any way you can transition that to reading a book or a magazine or not doing anything, a lot of the sleep experts actually say it's okay to go to bed and be in bed before you sleep for 15 to 20 minutes. But a lot of us aren't really sure what to do with our minds in that 15 to 20 minutes. We want to be occupied. And so that's sometimes when you can do a mindfulness or a guided meditation. There's some great apps out now, Insight Timers, another resource available, Calm app in Buddhify. There's just so many great Calm, I think I said that, but there's so many different apps that people can use to perhaps that half hour, 45 minutes before they want to go to bed to do a five to 10 minute guided wind down meditation so that when they get in bed, the mind is less active and it's easier to fall asleep. So this is a dilemma. I appreciate, you know, I ideally people wouldn't be on their phones much, you know, 90 minutes before bedtime, but it, the data really suggests that it's very detrimental to have that blue light with no other light on in the room for our, just our focus, right. our concentration, and, right. our mood. So all what happened it.
0: with the blue light, the, the blue light stimulate what, what type of things in your brain to be realistic. It stimulate. So it let it. it, 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 it it actually make your melatonin less, right? It makes melatonin uh-huh. less and
1: and the different pathways that help us sort of wind down and go to sleep. The other thing that it does, which I think is really interesting is that it can create eye strain, right? So we've got the lights on really low and that can lead to headaches and muscle tension, jaw clenching. You know, there's this kind of like uh, focusing to read in the low light or no light with the phone, mm. So there's you know it's really dimensional but the the main point being really that that light interferes with that rhythm that the body's trying to establish to go deeply into sleep one way that it does it's through shifting melatonin i imagine there are other ways that as science improves we'll understand more and more but the data certainly suggests that people who are on their phones right up into bed or falling asleep with the phone in hand are at risk now for other health issues that stem from not sleeping deeply or long enough. And even if you're sleeping enough, sometimes it can be linked to changes in your mood.
0: How, how so about watching TV? More tense. How about watching TV before you fall asleep?
1: Yeah. Is that considered a blue know, light? It's a similar, it is considered a blue light. So I'm a realistic person. I know most people on the phone watch TV, Kindle before yeah. bed. <laughs> but I'm, as I say, I'm just the I'm just the mouthpiece uh-huh. here. We know that yeah. it's the day data is telling us that you know repeatedly that people are not probably benefiting from right.
0: winding down. And well, I think you to know me, it's the, the, the old-fashioned book. Get the book out and yeah, then read Journal, it. Yep. You know, and and read it, and that way your eyes get tired and your melatonin starts kicking up because melatonin actually starts rising around like 10 p.m. Right, Start to rise and. It's highest and yeah. then it goes down in the morning, and then your cortisol level goes up in the morning, and then it goes down, you know, gradually around after 12 p.m. So you know, cortisol and and melatonin are almost like opposite. And so the bottom line is: first, wake up in the morning. The first 30 minutes after sunrise, where it enjoy the sun because that with the yellow and the blue light that that is outside will stimulate, really normalize our hormone that gets released from your eyes and going into your brain, right? Yeah, that's only 30 minutes, from so 10 to 30 minutes. And then, well, not to say that you also get your vitamin D also. Yeah, exactly. There's other benefits. And just as a small side, we're not saying look into yes, the sun, yes. just for right, the record. Right. No,
1: you don't want to look. Just <laughs> want to be clear. Some... Go take a walk. <laughs> take <laughs> a <just> walk. <laughs> a... Right, take a walk. You can even sit outside, you can walk, you know, be outside with if you had a garden or if you're in a large city environment. It's a little tougher for shift workers, but then if they can get that afternoon light, depending on when their sleep cycle is. So it's always a question that comes up, what about shift workers? Right,
0: Yeah, but some light is better than no light, right? At all, especially... You know, when you have now people working indoors and with the fall and winter weather, weather coming up, you know, I, I myself, you know, the only sunlight I get exposed to is to go, going outside of the building, outside of my house, get into my car and, and driving and getting somewhere. So I don't even think that's going to be enough, even 10 minutes of exposure. So sunlight is what we need. And then, you know, really no technology. Uh, uh, really, but if yeah. you can, I mean,
1: I, As I said, I'm realistic. I live in the modern world. I'm not asking people that it's more just it's information to digest for oneself. It's like if you want an outcome of increased performance, increased focus, more more deliverable in your life on all fronts. These are health optimization tools. It's just that simple. You may or may not experience less or more disease by sort of tuning into some of these things. My bias is that you're more apt to make well-informed health choices through your day when you feel relaxed, rested, creative, intuitive, than when you feel stressed out, tired, and unengaged. I, lo- I love so, that. you know, the yep. light,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. right?
1: So the light in and of itself may not be
0: the deciding factor, but it helps create the rhythm. For the day that gets you to the outcomes you want. Absolutely. And I've always heard that, you know, first thing in the morning, get the light that you need. Now I understand why the the chronobiology, like you said, the second thing I want to go into is stress. And you said, you know, that the, these are the three movers. All right. And totally agree with that. The three fast movers. One is sleep, which we talked about already, your relationship to light. Second is stress stress and, you know, with using guided meditation. Can we talk a little bit about that and how somebody that never really meditates, yeah. why that, that's helpful, why decrease in stress helpful and how can you kind of quickly learn how to meditate? Well, this is a great question because there, <clears throat> there's
1: a continuum between mindfulness and meditation. And the first thing I want to do is dispel a very common myth. So a lot of times people will start meditating and their mind is very active. There's no Zen in it. Nothing is pleasant, but that's actually normal. It's very normal in a meditation practice to experience a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. And the practice itself allows for a a more attuned relationship to our emotional thinking world. And so this is something that's really powerful to recognize that in these ancient traditions, that when we don't deny our thoughts and feelings, that when we develop a relationship to them, it actually brings more relaxation into our lives. And that by staying busy, staying in a perfectionist mindset, staying in the overachiever, complete type A, I'm all for achieving all your big audacious goals in life, but being able to take that pause and know how to rest, know how to de-stress is as critical as anything for managing big visions. You know, I imagine a lot of your audience are visionaries and very successful people. And they're looking to have that full performance sexually, emotionally, physically. And one has to understand that though we don't fully understand the link, stress actually drives inflammation. Inflammation is what begins to crowd out the good vascular supply, the good blood supply, the delivery of energy and life-giving oxygen to that vital tissue that maintains the performance. And so this is something that's so key to understand that the type A person is with the stress unmanaged. You can be type A and manage your stress. I want to make that abundantly clear.
0: Well, you're, managing you're type stress, A. You went to med school. You did all that. Stuff, went to Renzi. We're all type A, right? And look at her now. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can feel the mind, the meditation exactly. through, yeah. So, so, yeah. Right. And, and we all know the stress is not good. And it's a lot of things that are unknown and how stress can cause inflammation. We know that, but how can somebody like, I, I know when I start doing meditation, I have a hard time doing that myself and using app. I use calm. I use, you know, several app, but I find myself my thoughts like racing, thinking about what I need to do the next day mm-hmm. and thinking about, Oh my God, I'm so yeah. comfortable sitting here. I want to move. So how how, how can somebody, <laughs> well, you know, get into that, you know? But
1: really, what's really interesting to me about this is that <clears throat> there are actually movement-based meditations. Now, hang out here with me for a second. So from an Ayurvedic standpoint, there are different body types. There are different core okay. elements in all of us. One person might do really well with, say, Qigong or yoga as their meditative mm-hmm. practice. Another person... Might actually need to sit and be very still to bring balance to who they, who, what's happening. So I say, usually for meditation practice, sometimes having a course like the MBSR curriculum, which goes through all sorts of a body scan, movement based, gives you an opportunity. There's the five senses that you can meditate with. There are many different courses. I recommend people finding a course that has a range of meditation techniques. So that you find the one that your body, your spirit, your mind goes. I could do. I can
0: do this. This feels like something. And what, what, uh, what I what, can do. Where so, can somebody find that course?
1: Yeah. So MBSR, mindful, mindfulness based stress reduction. Sorry, I'm mean, <laughs> the acronym a little okay, bit. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So is that MBSR.com? Yeah.
0: Yeah. dot com? Or, um, oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: They can just Google MBSR. And so it'll be an eight-week course. There's there's one. It sounds true. That's a, a pre-recorded one. I tend to like when a struc- uh, structured instructor is there, but it's mindfulness-based stress reduction, and the data and publications for that are so powerful. The reduction in anxiety, chronic stress, sleep. It also seems to help with things that aren't as intuitive, like blood sugar control and musculoskeletal pain and diabetes. So, you know, it's really interesting how meditation techniques can actually have beyond just what we might think of as mind or emotional-based benefit. Right.
0: Well, I mean, but there's it a has tight a, connection a whole between range. the mind and the body. And I'm so glad I, I found this yeah. uh, resource that you told me about. So, mbsr.com. It's an eight-week course. I don't, right? think, I don't know that there's actually a dot .com, but when you
1: search MBSR, okay. there'll be a number of different So what happens is the University of Massachusetts, John Kabat-Zinn, founded the research and the program. And so they are sort of the, the foundation, but many people have trained to become guides under their program and now all those programs. And so if you could find one local to you where you could meet with the instructor, that's my favorite. To be oh, honest. yes,
0: that I, I definitely like the, the one-to-one touch there because you're right. Not everybody can sit still like myself. You know, I love yoga. I love Qiang. And when I, when I'm distracted and doing something, I don't think about other things. You know, I'm too busy trying to get my balance. I'm too busy trying to, you know, right. trying to do exactly. a pigeon <laughs> stretch. And, but I don't know that I'm actually doing meditation. You know, when I sit down, I, my, my, I just tend to like, I, I uh, my mind wanders. But so this what this uh, course does is that it uh, helps you choose which type is for you that will work for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, too, you know, a lot of people have this idea of, from Hollywood or TV or greeting cards that the only way to utilize mindfulness is sitting Still somewhere in a field with a Zen, yeah. you know, fingers and Gyan Mudra, like in this, you know, I'm perfectly at ease and my no, mindfulness can actually just be fully being fully present and not having a hundred tabs open in your mind. Mindfulness is a practice of non-judgmentally noticing your around, your surroundings, having an awareness of your body and and a connection to that, as opposed to what a lot of us do, especially in the stress state, which is just override all of that to accomplish whatever's in front of us. And it could be something as simple as getting a parking lot space, right? Suddenly, we may have to use the bathroom, the kid might be crying, but suddenly there's this unilateral focus to get a parking lot space. It's a very small example, but we become so focused on a goal in front of us that we've lost connection with our body. And in that loss of connection it actually has not been shown to be so beneficial to our overall wow. health wow
0: well i love i love what dr chiran said that mindfulness is attuning to your body being non-judgmental being focused on what your body needs men are you frustrated in dealing with erectile dysfunction your relationship is suffering and your medication's not working anymore Well, what if I tell you that ED is treatable and reversible? You are not alone and it is not your fault. Over the past 20 years, I have treated over 7,000 men suffering from ED so that way they can regain their confidence and be able to function again and have satisfying sex. And now it's time for you to join them to have the same result. I am now having a modern man club, a discreet community free from judgment for men with ED looking to restore their vitality and their sex life. When you sign up, you will get time with me one hour, twice a month where you can ask me anything about uh, sexual dysfunction or how to stop ED, anything you want to ask. And then I give you access to a library full of content on male sexuality, on things that work, things that doesn't work. And I do all the vetting, all the work, so you don't have to spend time on Google or do research and get frustrated and wasting time, money, and anguish. I will do all the uh, research for you. And then on top of that, we will have guest experts joining us to share their wisdom. And don't forget, you have access to a community of men supporting one another and learning from one another. This is all for $57 a month. And you sign for a whole year, you get two months free. So don't wait. It is time to get results. If you keep doing the same things now, you're going to get the same results. All you have to do is Try something different. Give yourself an opportunity to have a better sex life and stop ED in its tracks. So I want you to look at the link below and or go to my show notes or go to mensexualityclub.com slash sales page. Again, mensexualityclub.com sales page. S-A-L-E-S-P-A-G-E. I'll put the link below. Come join me in the modern man club. Now how often in a day do you actually do that I, I I know today I haven't had time to do that yet, you know in you know not being judgmental of anything just taking the time to listen to your body, listen to your thought, and what is it that you need and i I do that from for you know other people, but not you know so much for myself and I love the way how you explain that because it, that in itself is meditation, right taking the time to clear Absolutely. your thoughts right yeah and This is the the beauty of it. It's a remembrance.
1: Meditation in some ways is a continual remembrance of our essential nature, which is a sort of an esoteric principle. But what it really boils down to is being aware of our sensory input, be aware of our thoughts and feelings. I always remind people what one of the things that meditation can do. Imagine if you had a Rolodex of thoughts spinning, right? Remember those old cards where you had the Uh Rolodex and you could spin it? Imagine the Rolodex spinning and there's a thought after thought after thought. So many of us believe all the thoughts as the Rolodex is spinning. And it could be a wide range of things. I'm not a cook. I'm not healthy. I'll never be enough. I don't. I won't get what I want in life. My medical problems will never be solved. My business partner will always be a jerk. Whatever that Rolodex. But not all of those thoughts are true and not all those thoughts are helpful. And some of those thoughts... Actually, drive the stress response. If you imagine two thoughts around a particular situation, you could have two very different physiologic responses to the same situation based on which thoughts you decide to sort of go with. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I could probably come up with an example, but you know that that ability to sort of say, "Okay, this thought said A, and this thought said B. If I if I go with B, I'm gonna my heart's gonna race." my cortisol levels are going to start pounding. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to yell at somebody. But if I choose A, I'm going to have a different point of view. I'm going to assume the best in the person or the situation. I'm going to share facts, not feelings, when I need to solve a problem. And suddenly the situation is resolved in a really different way, as opposed to all of the fire that comes from a stress response. So again, that's a simplified well, can you give it an example kind an of framework. But
0: of what what you mean by that, like, sure. like, like a situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's say, for example, let's use the family, right? So the family situation is this: mother gives son or daughter the, or father gives son or daughter the credit card, and they say, "Okay, I'd like you to pick out an Airbnb for us." And the child says, "Oh, great!" And the parent says, "Here's the budget. It's eight hundred dollars." And the child finds this incredible house, but the budget is $990. But the child has actually been thinking about all these other variables that would make that other house really amazing. And so when the parent sees the bill on the credit card, one response is, what an irresponsible child, I've failed them. The other response is curiosity. I wonder why they picked this other house when we had agreed on the budget. Then you would say to the child, I'd like to understand better why you made this choice. As opposed to, you jerk, how stupid were you to not listen to me? Why didn't you follow my instructions and do exactly what I said? So there's these two thoughts that one could have. One thought is, I failed them as a parent. They don't understand. It's simple instructions I give them. They're only defiant. And the other thought is, could I be curious
0: about why they made this choice? Mm. And 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 the curiosity, it, it doesn't bring you stress. It doesn't bring you judgment it's like i'm curious i want to learn what what goes through your mind when you make this decision and then you, like and then exactly. you will learn oh you know he was really looking out for us this place had you know a lot of perks that would save us money and oh that makes sense instead of jumping to a conclusion about that person
1: exactly and really letting this thought that might be a troubling dynamic in the relationship they don't listen I'm not a good parent. You know, we all have subtle subconscious insecurities, like I'm failing this trial somehow that they can't follow simple instruction. With curiosity, you can also say to them, next time you make an adjustment in the budget, please let me know first, because it's important for me and and the budget to be able to make a decision with you, as opposed to just saying, you know, F you, how come you did this? I'm never giving you the credit card again because you can feel the cortisol surge. The amygdala kicks in, rage is there. What we want to do for that stress response is, is enter into a situation with more curiosity, but both of those thoughts can be existing in that Rolodex. So which thought do you want? Which thought do you want to physiologically track with the one that elicits the rage response or the one that keeps you calm, centered, grounded, relaxed? You know, because a lot of times you'll have a rage response. I'm just using this metaphorically, then you'll have the dip afterwards, right? As all the physiology is trying to reset and you question yourself, you feel bad, energy's low, focus is low, you don't feel good about what happened, you have regret, shame. Oh gosh, suddenly there's all this energy that's gone into mitigating that response. Uh-huh. Whereas just by entertaining curiosity, you then have a different pathway through a problem that you forget. You forget that all of those other things that you used to have to deal with are now no longer on the table. Now I'm not saying that happens overnight with mindfulness or meditation, but this is the process of having the pause to react over respond I mean to respond
0: over reacting pause to when react we're just reacting. Pause to react so let's let's look I, I, I want to kind of use this for you know a situation that I encounter a lot with my patient is you know and I love that word pause to react is that you know they have this performance anxiety you know they yeah you know they're 50 you know a man 55 and you know he's not the same as he was he was in his 20s and he. You know, meet meet a beautiful woman who's very, you know, very interested, and in, she's interested in him. And he used to take Viagra. He's not on Viagra, but he has to sense, oh God, you know, Viagra is going to help me with my confidence. I I need to, you know, I need that so I can uh, perform. Uh, but what that's not the case at all. So how can he approach? The situation where he feels that he needs to have that medication for him to be his best self with, with her. And how could he turn it around and say, Hey, I can do this. I, I, I can reverse that. So how, how would he, thought will be? Yeah. How would exactly. he approach that?
1: Well, one of the things that I think this is me just brainstorming here, but I think one of the things that happens as we're aging is that we mature simultaneously in both sexual performance and intimacy. And intimacy is deep and lasting connection. And there's a deep connection that happens between people. And I think having an appreciation that a partner or a process is as much looking for intimacy as performance and that, that intimacy will bring more relaxation Relaxation brings more capacity for erection, maintenance of erection. So I would probably talk to them a bit about exploring what intimacy really means and that intimacy as we age has this other deeper, more powerful well that's actually a little bit more fulfilling in some ways than pure performance and the, the act of intercourse, that there's this quality of closeness, of connection, of safety, of you know, this rhythmic nature and that cultivating that in the partnerships could be a really deeply fulfilling and unknowingly fulfilling aspect of their life. And when that happens, there's this thought that could emerge. So one thought that is there is I she won't like me if I can't perform enough, right? Another thought is, well, if I'm if I'm feeling a little anxious or my performance isn't where I want it, let me try getting to know her in a different way so that I become more relaxed and she's more relaxed. Let's explore each other's interests. And of course, that's not true for everyone. Some people are at a space where pleasure is the primary foundation. And then perhaps Viagra is part of their solution. But I find that that richer experience where you're really developing a connection because that deeper connection allows for more, I believe, a more profound sexual exploration with a partner whether it's same sex or opposite sex and so the ability to relax the re- the ability to tr- have trust in oneself that what's being offered is enough i think that men have a lot of unpacking to do around their enoughness and sometimes really just exploring that it's not something all men want to embrace but through the unpacking of this feeling of am i enough a lot of really rich emotional vulnerability could be present, which in my book actually builds connection and the capacity for trust and trust in sexual relationships creates really the deepest intimacy and connection and positive experience. At least
0: that's been my so. I know everyone's different, but that's so well said (laughs) that Men need to unpack what is enough, and and that's different for every man. And and they also need to know that intimacy is not what you see in porn. <laughs> that 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 is not exactly. real. That's not yeah. intimacy. <laughs> that's not even performance. That's fantasy. That's acting. That right. that you know that's, that's not real life. Yeah. And I love the way how you said because you have to be relaxed. And intimacy is connection, communication, relaxed trust, closeness. And that, that on the level where what I'm trying to get at is that, that emotional connection with the person. Because when that happened, you know, I, I, I have a system, I have six systems of, of the six system of arousal and performance is that the brain is the largest sexual organ. It's, it's not, it it's not the, the exactly. genital. Yeah. The, it's the brain and it's the senses, right? What you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you touch, what you hear. And what you see in that woman, the communication with that uh, that partner is sent those positive messages to your brain, and then you have to be in a relaxed state y you, you, you know if you're in an anxious state or you're in a depressed state that that muddles what what the sensory input is, and that in order for you to In order for your penis to really be able to get an erection, the muscle itself has to be in a relaxed state. You, you yourself have to be in a relaxed state, and the muscle has to be in a relaxed state in order for it to be able to physically be, you know, firm enough. So what men think about is, oh my god, I'm gonna get firm, but they're worried about the process of trying getting getting enough firmness when they should be relaxed and dive into what you said, the connection, the intimacy and, you know, get unpack what, you know, what, what they need to do. And that will lead into better performance. So if you focus more on the intimacy part, that will be, that will lead into the performance part without having to put performance first, right? Because you're putting performance first, right? And, exactly. And you are, you're, 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 uh, you're stressed out about your result. It's like preparing for, preparing for a race yeah. and all you want to do is just focus on, you know, this and that where you should be attuning to your body. The metal at Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to get this transcribed because the words you were saying, unpacking, so true and on point of that. And I hope, I hope guys, when you're listening to this and you're getting to the 45 minute market that this is gold because putting intimacy before performance is what counts and what gets you out of that medication cycle, that cycle of, you know, anxiety and of performance dependency. Cause women in the end doesn't really care. They, they, they care that you care about them. <laughs> All right. And sometimes it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a penetrative sexual experience to ask, ask gratification. So I want to touch on the ne- The next important point is nutrition. Sure. Oh, my goodness. And, yes. and I know this is your your area. And so is the last two. But nutrition, and that is part of the three movers. You know, number one is sleep. The move the, the move lever. The lever exactly. Sleep, stress, and we talk about meditation and going on finding out about MBSR and then nutrition. And uh, let's talk about nutrition and plant-based nutrition. Yeah.
1: So... The whole food plant based approach, these are diets that are rich in whole grains, fresh fruits and vegetables. You know, it's a really very nutrient dense food that's minimally processed. There's legumes, seeds and basically plants. And I think that the idea here, and again, we'll circle back to something we said at the beginning, which is nutrient poor, calorie rich diets malinform the body. So imagine that you were you're as imagine some of your audience are CEO they're they're in positions of where they command a presence and they've got two departments and you notice that when you give one department clear instruction the job they get done is excellent you're so satisfied and the other one has a manager who's really horrible at communicating with this team and their outcomes are always dismal and you just wish that the manager B could learn from manager A. We can think about that in the same way with this diet. When you give yourself this nutrient-dense diet, the information lets the system perform its executive function so much better than the confusing messaging that happens with the standard American diet that's rich in processed food and nutrient-poor. So you eat pizza, pasta, chicken dishes with pasta sodas, drinkable calories form the preponderance of the American caloric intake. Potatoes, french fries, sort of all that sort of near the top. But there's also just this large body of food that's legumes, nuts, seeds, whole grains. Plant-based typically means no meat, but I encourage people to understand that you can be plant-forward, still enjoy your steak, your salmon, your pork, but also simultaneously look at really introducing nutrient-dense plant food sautéed greens, baked vegetables, sautéed vegetables, pureed soups. Lots of ways to approach that and think about it. But these nutrient-rich diets have actually been shown to improve insulin resistance, obesity, improve markers of diabetes and inflammation. And it's safe. It's so safe. There's so much funny data right now about plant anti-nutrients and how it's not safe for us to eat legumes because of lectins and phytates and the the data just really doesn't bear that out. These are some more sensationalized health influencers that may not really
0: understand the whole picture, or, or you know, they're, they're in, pushing in the, the Atkins or the keto, and you yeah, know, yeah, uh, yeah, or they have a right, 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 that, or yeah. you know, they have some other motive. But you know, what I see with with my patient when they're on the keto diet, their cholesterol goes up, the inflammation level goes up because they're eating all this red meat. It's like all meat focused and less. You know, and not so and much fat, fat right? Saturate and fat. I'm saturated fat and less vegetables. So plant-based, you know, you you know, you, my, my husband is the meat and potato guy. Right? He's like, Oh my God, plant-based kiwa, you know, he doesn't even know what that is. Doesn't know what, you know, the grains is and so forth. So how can a man who like cook for himself, how can he like, okay, I don't know what plant-based is, but just tell me what, what are the, you know, what I can do to To you know, to prepare ten minutes to eat
1: healthy. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give two examples. One is for the person who probably doesn't as much consider themselves a cook, limited time, and even limited budget. So one of the best things that you can do is get frozen vegetables: broccoli, cauliflower, root vegetables like squash and corn. If you have those frozen vegetables on hand, you can always have a process which I'll talk about here in a second. That segues that into great addition to many dishes. So just going to Costco, getting a reserve of frozen root vegetables, frozen cauliflower and broccoli, and corn, and just having that in the freezer. And at the same time, purchasing some whole grains, rice, quinoa, fairly easy, learn to cook. And you can batch cook grains, meaning make one big batch at the beginning of the week, keep it in the fridge to use at different intervals. So here's what I recommend people do. If you're a little bit more into time, you want to bring those mindfulness techniques into the kitchen, use your hands a little, play with the senses. You can purchase those fresh and cut them up. But the next step is what's called sheet pan cooking. And basically you set a timer on the oven so you can multitask anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how much spice or how much, size and type of vegetable you've put onto the tray but you put your root vegetables your broccoli your cauliflower and your corn a little bit of olive oil and fresh italian spice if you have it or mexican spice whatever spice blend you have lower lower on the salt side because you want to salt at the end put that into the oven you can cover it or not cover it with you know whatever process you might have in your kitchen just a regular baking pan is fine though when that comes out of the oven, there's many things you can do with those vegetables. You can make it directly into a stir fry and have it with pasta. You could have it with in a grain bowl. So you've got your quinoa in the fridge. You take a serving of those vegetables, warm them up. So at the beginning of the week, you just do a big sheet pan of vegetables.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Takes you if it's frozen, it takes you two minutes to get it on the tray. And, and, uh, and you, you, co- bake, you it bake it, and it, it at you- what
0: degrees? Three fifty or Three, okay. 350, yeah, uh-huh. 350.
1: You may need some adjustments timing for your own oven, but 30 to 60 minutes. Just depends on the size, how big the pieces are, how hot your oven bakes, what type of pan you're using. Just test it out. 30, 40, 50 minutes, stick your fork in. Once you've done it the first time, it'll be there every time after that. Just make a little note for yourself. What tasted good, what worked well? And then you can use those vegetables to make a burrito. You can add some canned beans in your grain. You can make a grain bowl and add some fresh greens. So you can store those cooked veggies in the fridge for several days. So that combination, sheet pan, grains, and wraps. You can take some of those vegetables and throw them into soup, if you like, with a broth and add fresh grains to that. So you have this incredible opportunity. You just do that sheet pan cooking. You have a nice big mixture of cooked vegetables that you can put onto salads, into already prepared soups on sandwiches, in wraps, in grain bowls. You can even take some of those and puree them into spreads with, say, chickpeas to make a flavored hummus if you put red peppers onto the tray. So there's a lot of variation. It's hard to dive into it full speed ahead on, you know, a shorter time limit. But just understand that sheet pan cooking, having frozen vegetables will always get you a meal within, a you know, 30, 45 minutes from getting home. You could start the greens at the same time. It's very nourishing. You could have a little bit of protein of choice. Legumes, you know, canned beans are fine. Tofu is fine. Your, your other meat, a little bit of fish, salmon, whatever, whatever your protein source is. And I usually say, if you divide the bowl into four, one quarter is the protein, half are the veggies and a quarter is your grain or, you know, your wrap, your bread of some kind. Right. You won't go too wrong with that power plate approach. Oh, I love it. It's pretty
0: it. easy, pretty straightforward. Yeah, forward. I love it. So let, so let yeah. me recap. So you will get frozen vegetable, but root, root vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, corn, squash, and then your grain is quinoa. And what else? Quinoa?
1: Yeah, quinoa, quinoa brown uh-huh. rice, bonsamati rice, yep. amaranth,
0: barley, farro. Oh, I love farro. So then you can yeah. throw it on a, on a sheet pan. Add a little bit of olive oil on top. You can add a little bit of Mexican spice or Italian spice on top. Put it in the oven from thir- uh, for at 350 for about 30 to 60 minutes, depending on your oven. You cook it and then you take it out and you can either make it into a stir fry, add it with your kiwa, make it and put it into soup. You can make it as a hummus and add, add chickpeas to it and you can add legume. Or tofu, or fish, or salmon, and make like a a wrap, or you know, a wrap, or also put it on salad as well. And believe it or not, I did try it, and it's very fulfilling. My husband, the meat and potato guy, and well, now that he, you know, he's a lot better. I've 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 changed, and I actually made a power bowl for him with the you know, the, the lettuce, the kiwa, and all the vegetables. He loved it. We did add a little bit of chicken on top loved it ate the whole thing i thought i, I thought he was gonna puke when he saw it. normally <laughs> normally he, he would look at it yeah. uh, he, he can't even pronounce the word kiwa yeah. so, right he said if he can't pronounce oh, it he's awesome. not gonna eat it he's uh, not gonna <laughs> eat it yeah i hear you uh, i know so that so now do you have a cookbook do you have do you have this in uh, like a book i know it. I have been asked for a cookbook for years. And it's it's like my
1: top of my to-do list is to pull all of the things. that. But you can certainly find I post recipes that are simple and straightforward like this on Instagram. And I have a Facebook group that people can join for free where I just put all of the little tips that I do that keep me... I always like to say I'm 50, so something's working, right? No makeup. I haven't had any procedures. You know, I look bit younger than my years. And that's really from using these principles in my own life. And interestingly, too, we're definitely seeing the link with COVID in, and the severity with diet. And so some of the if you have a long-haul COVID or a chronic kind of COVID picture, you may want to really look at these nutrient-dense diets, stress reduction, sleep improvement, because there's no other intervention that's working at this point per se. It's really about understanding how to lead the body back towards health from this state of imbalance. And it's this is the beauty of these practices from Ayurveda is that they are health promoting, they're thousands of years old, and they were followed over millions of lifetimes. So it's not like I'm making any of this up or these are my theories. This was observed in the human condition lifetimes of passing on observations and then codifying, clarifying, adjusting until... A body of knowledge emerged that said this this helps this and
0: that All helps right. that. So you know you uh, you you have to follow her on Instagram because I saw some of the pictures that she posts. They're delicious and they're and even though they're plant based and they're nutritious, but they look delicious. So where can our our audience find you on Instagram? Yes, so spell out the the
1: word doctor doctor D O C T O R S I R I. C-H-A-N-D. Dr. Siri Chand. Dr. Siri Chand. Okay.
0: Doctors, Dr. Doctor Siri Chand. And I, I would actually put that in the show note as well. And what is your website? So, slightly different. It's just
1: drsirichand.com. But if you Google my name, Siri Chand Khalsa, my website will be right near the top of the search. Right, right.
0: And I, I will put her contact information actually on there as well. And I'm Looking forward to that book and, 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 and <laughs> also, you know, a video and how to make it, fun video and how to make it and, you know, get on a YouTube channel. Maybe we'll do something together on YouTube. We'll, we'll, we'll do like yeah. a Zoom session. I do have some.
1: There are some YouTube videos that are longer than Instagram, also. So there are. That's also Doctor Siri Chun handle on YouTube. Okay, not a h- huge body, but there
0: are some recipes there from some live cooking demos that I've. Done. Oh wow, wow! And and what she says is, and you can do this, okay? And it's actually doable. And and I know because sometimes I I don't have the time for it as well, but can can definitely eat healthy food that are tasty. And they look uh, very tasty. So having said that, we unpack a lot of good information that is gold. And I want to recap the three biggest movers that you want to get, you know, better performance, better mindfulness, just feeling better, more confident, sleep better, have better digestion, is getting adequate sleep. All right and and more sunlight get more first sunlight in the morning. If you're not a morning person like I am, I'm not a morning person. At least go out and have 30 minutes of sunlight one way or another, and meditate and decrease your stress. And you know, think about a plant-based diet or even a Mediterranean diet, which focuses more on lean meat and fish and fruits and vegetables. And explore mindfulness techniques, and which one will work for you? MBSR, and you don't have to sit still to be meditating. You can actually be doing movement and still meditating. And you said something about unpacking what what unpacking what performances, and you know, look at intimacy first before performance. And I have to kind of talk about what intimate The next episode, what is intimacy? is and 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 what is performance. That's a good topic to kind of unpack in more detail. And I appreciate your being here with me today and our audience. And do you have any closing comment before we close? Well I just wanted to thank you for the invitation to
1: be here and to share some of this insight. And I think, you know, the most important thing I would close with is that if you take a look at the thought that you're having is that gonna get you to the outcome you want? And notice those connections, meaning I don't know how to cook, I don't know how to move, I'm not a meditator, I, you know, these other issues. Remember that those thoughts are gonna track you to your outcome, is that the outcome you want? And I think that's so important to remember.
0: Oh, very good. It's it's like, and the word curiosity, I love that word because when you say curiosity, it make me think. Oh, I, I need to step back a little bit and find out what's going on. To me, that's what curiosity. Instead of being judgmental, being reactive, is that step back and take a breather. And what type of person you want to show up as? Right? You want to show up as this uh, curious, non judgmental, commu- open, communicative, or you want to show up as judgmental and reactive and and stressed out and and. Uh, I need to kind of think about that as well, because sometimes we get stressed out. We revert to our, you know, reflective, you know, personality and which is most oftentimes the, the stress personality, but learned so much today with you, Dr. Chan. And I, uh, am definitely going to be contacting you, you know, for myself as well. And I'm looking forward to that book that hard bound book. No, it's spiral, spiral bound book. <laughs> All right. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Sexual Health for Men podcast.